Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today on the High Button Podcast, we have Logan Delaney. Logan played in the 2014 Pan American Hockey Championships in Mexico. I didn't even know they had ice down in Mexico, so that's pretty neat. Uh, he's also the coach uh, for the Gulls a couple years back, and he's the color, color commentator uh, every now and then at the Halifax Moosehead game. So I'm excited to talk to Logan. He was highly recommended by Mavs, who we had on last episode, I believe. It's going to be a great episode. Remember, I'm Justin. We're talking to Logan. This is the High Button Podcast. You know what comes next here. We go. All right, Logan, we're going. We're going now? How are you? Good, Justin. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for the coffee. Pleasure's all mine. Warm drink on a rainy day. That's what I'm about. Awesome. Perfect. How's nice the... setup you got here. I'm impressed. Looks great, man. Every time someone comes over and says that, it, it's just as meaningful as the first time I ever heard that compliment. Yeah, no, it looks great. I it like was, it. Uh, it was a little COVID project. I had nothing to do. A little bit of money in the bank. I was like, all right, let's just try to figure something out with the basement. And this is what it came, this is what it turned out to be. It's good. It's great, man. It's a good setup. It. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, too. How was your morning? What'd you do? What'd you get up to? What do you do? I'm a, I'm a commercial account manager for an automotive parts and equipment company. Jesus, that so. sounds complicated. Yeah, no, trust me, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's not as complicated as it sounds. But yeah, no, so is that work all morning? You were good enough to have me, so here I am. That's awesome. <laughs> You've been highly recommended, not by one person, not by two, but probably by like maybe seven people. Really? Oh, yeah, because as soon as Mavs mentioned you, I got a couple, a couple texts, a couple DMs, a couple Facebook messages. Saying, oh, wow. Yeah, so that's dubious a, honor. That's a, that's, a, that's a compliment in itself, for yeah. sure. Hopefully they were good messages. They were great. They were just very. They were they were short and sweet, just like Logan must have, and that's it. I was like, okay. Well, here I am. What's what's the charm about you? What's so special about Logan Delaney? Oh, gee, I, I don't know how to answer that, man. Um, depends, I guess, which way you look at it. But uh, I, I guess I talk a lot, so it's probably one of my unique gifts, I guess. So why don't you have your own podcast? You know what? I actually have thought about that before. Um, I really like what you're doing. Your idea is great, honestly. It's good. I like your profile and the way the Canadians and stuff. I think appreciate it's great. it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're doing a good thing. Thank you. Yeah, but podcasting, I I don't know. I don't know if I could. Uh, it's tough, man. It's a lot of time. It's, well, obviously you know, but geez, I mean, the hours you got to log into it and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But I'll let guys like you do it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That that way you have the market cornered, right? I guess so. It's the thing. Like everyone has a podcast now. Every like. There's new podcasts popping up every day in Atlantic Canada, and you look at it and you study it. You go, okay, who are they having on? Who, what's going on here? And you kind of evaluate it, and then you try to like move away from a certain style because other people might be doing it. It's a lot of, I don't want to say mind games, but it's a lot of looking at the market and being like, how can I be a bit different? Yeah, because a podcast is a podcast. It's every, it's you know, it's the same for everyone. Yeah, but you got to somehow be different, even if that's my personality, even if it's the guest we're having on. You got to always be thinking, always be moving left, right, always got to be. That's what I'm taking from it. At Do least. you listen to any? I do listen to a lot, not a lot, but I listen to some. Yeah. Um, the Church of What's Happening Now. His name's Joey Diaz. Okay. He's like a he's like a criminal back in like the eighties and nineties in New York. I'm not a criminal, yeah, yeah. but like drug dealer type guy. Okay. And like I love like I grew up in the suburbs, so like my life was pretty simple and plain. So I love listening to these guys about like <laughs> yeah. criminals, like robbing and yeah, all that. Yeah. So I, I like that sort of stuff. But do you listen to any other than this one? Spit and Checklets, obviously. Yeah, it's a given. I think it's yeah. a staple for any hockey guy. Yeah. Um, you know what, Dak Shepard, armchair expert. You're not the first person. To... Really good, honestly. I suggest to anybody listen to that. He has celebrities on there, and he is. So what's so good about it? Like what? What? He, what's his effect? It just his approach. Like, I mean, he had Tom Brady on recently, 
And he had Tom Brady talking about things that I can guarantee you that media has been trying to get out of him for 20 years. Like what? What they get out of him? He just has that that way of talking with somebody. It just makes him feel comfortable. And like Tom Brady went on a lot about, uh, you know, like the psychological impact of being somebody with his level of status, right? How hard it is on him and his family, how it's hard to, you know, function day to day sometimes yeah. just to go to a store and do something. He can't really do that. But uh, Dak Shepard's really good, man. I suggest taking a listen. He's really good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're not the first person to yeah, say that. Yeah, really good. There's so many, like I said, there's so many podcasts. It's just tough to, like, pick one and commit an hour to it's it. It's overwhelming. 31 Thoughts is pretty good, too. Yeah, with Elliot Friedman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeff Merrick, that one's yeah. really good, too, right? I think, it, well, it's whatever, I think with podcasts, whatever interest you have or want to explore, there's something for it. Absolutely. Right? So. So much of my education comes from the internet not yeah. even podcast just youtube that's just right reading an article you know a podcast if i'm driving somewhere got an hour drive somewhere so i could chuck that on maybe learn a little bit of something i didn't know before yeah. so educational that's where we live in right? yeah so played a little hockey in mexico i don't know if you want to jump into this story right away but from what i told <laughs> and you said these these pictures that that canada jersey behind you looks unreal um you've been involved in the hockey world we have a lot of hockey players on this podcast when having a, a hockey player on usually there's good stories that come about um, because it's a it's a fun lifestyle. A lot of good things come from it, yeah. and then that's including a couple good stories. Yeah, you don't even have to really get into any stories about Mexico. Just talk about how the game of hockey, I guess, was introduced to you. How did it come about? Well, I mean, geez, where do we start? Um, yeah, <laughs> suppose of all the talented hockey players you have on here, for the record, I'm not one of them. But uh, <laughs> I guess my uh, hockey playing career, for for lack of a better term, is probably not as conventional as most. Okay. Um, I'm from Cole Harbor, but I, most of my childhood I spent in Barrie, Ontario. Okay. So I, you know, played hockey um, as a kid and stuff. But um, I actually had to give it up when I was 17 because I got hit from behind and fractured my skull. Wow. And I had several concussions before that, so um, that kind of ended it for me there. And that was uh, that was a tough thing. But yeah, 17 years old, I had to pretty much give it up. Yeah. So how did the hit was it hit from behind? Hit, like how did the hit? happen like how did you find yeah it? uh yeah no i was hit from behind um uh it was 19 it was actually i remember well it was may 7th 1998 and uh yeah i remember i i played d i was kind of the stay-at-home type like i would stay at home so much i wouldn't even leave the house you know people <laughs> and, make uh, a living off that Love yeah <laughs> so anyway i remember well actually i i i i had the puck and brought it up and i a shot from out far and goalie kicked it in the corner and um I don't know. I think the forwards changed. I don't know. But I, no one else around, I went in to get it. And I got drilled. Uh, it was probably a few feet out from the boards and went head first. Yeah, so. Uh, Parents <clears> in <throat> attendance when it happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it was actually. Worst um, nightmare. It was at uh, years ago. I don't think they do this anymore. It was at the OHL Prospects Tournament. They used to have it. I was going to say May. Like that Yeah, I was in uh, Guelph, Ontario. They used to do that. It was right before the OHL draft. So, um, um, I don't know. I don't think they do that anymore. Anyway. Yeah, and it was it was it was brutal. Um, <laughs> I I actually I was out cold, um, and I came to and got up, and I remember uh, I went to the bench and see you know I mean we could talk about concussions in hockey for hours, but uh, back then things were a little different than now, right? And I remember my stick was actually broken in half because I used a wood one, hmm. I, and I was so messed up I had no idea I was on the bench holding it it was broken in half, so I actually. Uh, I played for a few more days, and my helmet, I had to adjust to the largest size because my head was swelling so rapidly, and I actually uh, was playing in another 
tournament a few days later and I actually got in a fight and uh, I took one and dropped and went in convulsions. And oh. uh, yeah, so I was in the hospital for a few days. It was pretty bad. And um, like I said, I had, I had several concussions before that. So um, pretty much it was, you know, wasn't a matter of when I'd play hockey again, it was if. So that was the beginning of the end right there, really. And uh, my family moved back to Nova Scotia that year, uh, that summer. And I, mi- I didn't play, so I didn't play that year. Um, and I got back into it. And honestly, I had no business being anywhere near a rink. I mean, I was in no shape to play at all. Like, once you get hit like that and, um, and concussions and the problems that come from it. And uh, my father was a bit of a, what you call an overbearing hockey dad. And really forced me back into it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. So I ended up, I played for a few more months, and uh, that was it, though. It was, I saw the neurologist again, and he basically told me, he said, no, you, you got to give this up. That's one of the toughest pills you'll ever swallow in your entire life, and you're only 17 years old? Yeah. It, you know what? It was really hard. Um, I struggled with it for a long time. Yeah. It was tough, because, I mean, you're, you know, you see your buddies playing, and, you know, they're, they're, doing things with hockey, having good experiences, you know, being a part of team, all that stuff. And you can't do that. It, it hurts. It stinks. Because mm. at that age, too, you know, it'd be one thing is like you play junior. It's it's one thing if you're 20 years old and you know what? Time just ran out. Right. But when you didn't kind of end it on your terms, um, that bothered me for a long time. I'll be honest. It took me a very long time to get over that. It was a really hard thing to deal with. And that's why now. You know, I'm glad to see where the game is at with concussions awareness and stuff because I live the other side of it. I mean, you know, you look back, you think, I mean, I skated around for five days with my head swelling so bad I had to almost get a bigger size helmet. But, I mean, everyone around you is like... You're fine. You know, yeah. yeah, They just don't even know what to say, right? So, I mean, you look back to where things were and where they are now, I mean, I think the game's in a lot better place because of that, for sure. That's crazy. I remember being 20 years old and ending hockey and being upset, and it was on my own terms. I couldn't imagine being 17 and being forced out of it. I think yeah. everyone kind of struggles with leaving the game of hockey, but the majority of people that leave hockey leave on their own terms, not forced. So I couldn't imagine the amount of, like... Well, I was... I I didn't have... Uh, like I mentioned before, I I um, didn't have the best hockey experience as a kid okay. because of uh, my surroundings. <laughs> okay. You know, my father being as overbearing as he was and stuff, I mean, we could get into that later. But um, they, uh, I was, I wanted it to end because when I, when I, I took that year off because I, I couldn't play and, you know, I was kind of pushed back into it. I knew that I, I shouldn't be playing. Yeah. I mean, um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, one, you're, you're not to mention your timing's off, but psychologically as well, right? You're just, you're not there. I mean, I was a different person. Like outside of the rink, you mean? Yeah, for sure. It yeah. affects you, right? Um, you know, there was a lot of anger issues there. And uh, you just, you couldn't do things you could do before, right? Like yeah. I struggled in school. I mean, the list is endless. Yeah. And I didn't feel right playing. And I was doing it because I was forced to. And... I remember. Um, Just talk a little closer to the mic, sorry. My mother brought me over to um, when I went to meet the neurologist at Dow. When he told me, like, "This is it, you're yeah. done," I was relieved. I was actually happy. No more and, wondering. Yeah, and because I wanted out, like at that time, because I just knew I was like, "No, I can't do this. I can't play this anymore." 
um, you know, my head's not right. This isn't safe. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, where I was being pushed back into it. So I, I was actually thankful to a degree. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was relieved. It felt like a weight got lifted off my shoulders. But did you, were you relieved at that very moment or did it take a couple of years for you to be relieved? Like No, like... At, at that moment I was, I'll yeah? be honest. Yeah? I was like, and, and you know, I, I think that kids, we, we don't realize like the pressure that gets put on these young kids when they play. Mm. We think that they're just kids and they don't realize that, but like, I can assure you they do. Mm. And, um, you know, speaking from my experience and I was, I was relieved cause I was like, okay, it, it's over because I knew like when I got hurt, um, you know, I knew like at that age, I mean, you know, when you're a kid, I mean, you don't know shit about anything, let's be honest, but I knew like this was it. I mean, it, like I said, it was my, I had several concussions before that. Yeah. Um, like I knew it was over. I mean, one way or another, you know, and when I have doctors, you have doctors telling you like, hey, you know, if you take one more of these, like, I don't know how things are going to work out for you when you're an adult. I mean, even though you might be just a teenager, you know, yeah. that holds a lot of weight. Yeah. So, yeah, I was really relieved. Um, you know, obviously you're upset. Like I said before, you're not playing and stuff, but there is a, a certain relief that gets lifted off. Yeah. You were telling me that you coached the, the goals the past season ago, two seasons ago. Yeah, I actually was out there for four seasons. Uh, I stopped. I gave it up uh, season before last. Okay. Yeah. And you yeah. were coaching some pretty some studs now. Is there anything that you learned from as a kid when you were playing and kind of implemented it and kind of guided these kids in order to, I don't know, have a better experience when it came to the game of hockey at that young of an age? I think so. I, yeah, I coached minor hockey for, for almost a decade. Um, you know, I coached Adam Hockey in Cole Harbor three years. I coached a year in Dartmouth, actually, in Peewee. And uh, then I was at the Gulls for four years. And, yeah, I think um, with me – you know, I'm a little jaded, I guess, when it comes to to different things with, with hockey, for sure, because of my experience. And But that's kind of good. Like, you kind of want that a little bit because you can learn from an experience and kind of implement something else. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you, you take – I mean, hockey coaching hockey, X's and O's is one thing, right? And I – listen, anyone that knows me will tell you, I'm not an X's and O's coach. I, I'm the first to say it, right? And I, I admit that. And there's certain guys that are, and, and I'm not one of them. Yeah. But I think what I did was I looked at my experiences when I was younger yeah. and kind of try to parlay that into how I coached, right? Because I think that kids, you know, they need to to be in an environment where they know they can be pushed to be their best, but it has to be a comfortable environment too. Well, it's that, it's that comfortable push. Yeah. I find a push is very different from an aggressive push to a – Come on, you can do this. Let's go. 100%. And I think I think with coaching, it's a partnership. It's not a dictatorship. And that's the way I always viewed it. Good point. Yeah, and, and, and that's the way I approached it. So, And I, I think to a fault, too, maybe. Because sometimes you – and it's human nature. You know, you, you look at back at, at your hockey experience, and we see both sides of it. You know, I know guys, very high-level hockey players, and, and, you know, the days of yore, let's call it. I mean, when we played, coaches were pretty hard on us, right? That was just the way things were back then. It's not like that now. So sometimes you see the adverse effect of that too. You see coaches now who, for lack of a better term, they're a prick to kids. Mm. It doesn't work, mm. right? So for me, I, I think I took that other approach, and whether or not it worked, I don't know. Ask kids that I worked with. Yeah. <laughs> They'll tell you. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's everyone has their own philosophies and way of doing things, yeah. but – when it came to how I approached um, coaching hockey, yeah, I, I definitely drew from my own experiences. Yeah. Absolutely. There's some coaches' experience that I had in the past, especially at a, a younger level, that I take great value in now. I'll give you a perfect example. 
and you tell me if you think this is pushing. You know, I'd be in Pee Wee AAA, and I was a skinnier kid. I'm still skinny. And, you know, in the corners, I wasn't my place. But, you know, it would be a Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday night, and we'd be doing battle drills in the in the corner. And, you know, a coach would put me out with two of the bigger defensemen on the team, and I have to get the puck out of the corner. I lose that battle. I'm exhausted. I go to the back of the line. Before I even have a time to go on one knee and rest and get a drink of water, coach just goes, Belanger, let's go. You're going back on the corner again. Same two guys I'm battling. At the time, I'm pissed at my coach, but looking back on that now, that kind of made me grow as a player. It made me grow as a, as a person, and it made me battle through adversity. Do you think that that's pushing someone, or do you think that's healthy pushing? You know I think what I mean? it's healthy pushing. I mean, I think as a coach, you have to – have kids go out of their comfort zone too. And that's a big thing today. All um, the time you know, I think we, you need to be. We could talk about helicopter parenting and, and all, that whole thing, but you have to have kids step outside of their comfort zone. And as a coach, I mean, you have to do that in a healthy, positive way. And, um, I mean, it's like anything, there's right and wrong ways to do things. And I think the way coaching is, it's subjective. You know what I mean? You might look at a method of coaching think it's great. I might look at it and think it's terrible and so on and so forth. Mm. But it is important to have kids step outside of their comfort zone, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, again, you have to do it in a, in a right way. But, you know, I think the biggest thing with coaching, especially now, is, you know, you're ma managing different personalities. You can't approach it with a blanket approach. I mean, what works for that kid's not going to work for that kid and that kid and that kid, right? So everyone has their own ways of being pushed, and, and everyone has their own buttons. And what works for that kid you know, might be detrimental to the other kid. But mm. what's detrimental to that kid might work for the other kid. And mm. I think the best coaches realize that. Mm. And, I mean, you look today, I mean, look at any level, whether it be midget, junior, or pro, university, what have you, I do believe that the most successful coaches are the ones that identify that and recognize that and they utilize that in every day. Mm -hmm. No, it's well put. It's true. It takes a lot more work to do that. But that's where you see the pretenders, not the pretenders, but the guys that are just average to the supreme coaches. Because they get to know 20 guys in a room and get to know what motivates them and get to know how they work. It's a lot of extra effort. It's oh, a absolutely. lot of extra effort. That's a lot of, hey, Dylan, do you mind coming to see me after practice? I just want to talk to you. I want to show you a little something here. You know, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of, lot of shit that has to go into that. But I agree with what you're saying. The, the difference is tremendous once you can do that. And I've had coaches that have done nothing and I've had coaches that have called me into the room and explained to me what I'm doing wrong and what I need to do and I've had coaches yell at me and motivate me and push me into being a better player mm -hmm. but I, I agree with what you're saying the, it, the one thing I always like to say about the game is that it'll bring you into uncomfortable situations without anyone having to do it for you you could be playing a huge game against the Sackville Flyers but we'll go into that rink an hour before you're going to feel that anxiety you're going to feel that preparation come into you before you're even setting foot in the rink no one's talking to you no one's yelling at you but that feeling of okay I got to get over this I got to perform well I have to make sure my coaches are happy I have to make sure that my teammates are, are not let down it's almost like the game naturally does it for you and I always implement that like doesn't matter business, hockey, lacrosse, whatever the hell you're doing. Sports, it just naturally kind of brings you into a, an element of getting over adversity. And that's, I think that's a cool thing. Yeah, and it's it's life skills, right? And I think with, with coaching kids, that's another thing you're doing too, is you're preparing them for the adult world. And it might only be a small percentage of that, but organically, these kids, these players are, they're developing life skills through that, through adversity and preparation and you know, being in a stressful situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's important. So, you know, these kids learn that and they, they, they recognize that. And as coaches, I think we all have to respect that as well. Yeah. I heard the – so you, did you coach uh, Carruthers in McDonald, Cam? Yeah, I coached both Carruthers. Actually, I heard – Leighton and Logan and Cam too with the goals, yeah. I heard that they were a one-two punch. 
back in the day. I'm sure they will develop that in St. John, but I heard back in the day they were just yeah, it wasn't yeah, fair were, for some teams. Uh, yeah, you know what? With with them, um, they're they're really good kids. I mean, that's had both of them all great guys. Yeah, yeah, you have. That's right. Yeah, um, they're really good kids, and and that's the biggest thing with them. Um, we were really fortunate with the Gulls program. We we drew from um, Tassa and Shabakto. Those are the two. Minor hockey associations that fed into that program. Oh, yeah, TASA. Sorry. Yeah. 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 yeah, And uh, I tell you, a lot of really good families out there, good people. And the kids were all awesome. I mean, the four years that I spent out there, really, really good kids. And and it showed, right? And yeah, Leighton and Cam were um, really fun. They're really fun to be around, too, right? Like they they truly enjoy the game. Um, I think they, I believe they respect the game and just really good athletes. You know, some of those, some kids, like you just, I'm sure, I don't know if you were one of them, but I wasn't like, you know, some kid, no matter what it is, they could pick up a hockey stick or a volleyball, whatever. And they're just going to be the best at it. They're just natural. And Cam and Leighton both were like that, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, Actually with the two of them, I'm trying to remember. Cause I was a D coach, right? So I didn't really pay attention to the forwards too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, they, they played together on the line a lot, but a lot of times they didn't too. We had a we actually had a really good team that year. We had a lot of uh, a lot of awesome kids on that team. It was really fun, but yeah, they were um, definitely fun to work with. But the big thing with Leighton, like he physically more mature. I mean, he it was crazy. Like, you know, Christ, second year ban him. He's 180 pounds. Oh, like you're just I'm listen. I'm convinced it's the steroids and the chicken. Because I tell you, like, kids now, man, like, it's it's crazy, like, how physically mature they are at their age. I mean, Leighton was, was you know, he was a big kid, man, a big, strong kid. And uh, so, you know, that was a that was a big part of his game too, right? And it's really cool now seeing them get to the major junior level. So, yeah. like, for me, it's, it's, it's fun to see kids that you worked with that push themselves to get to that level. And I'm really excited to see where Leighton and Cam are going to go. Yeah. Like, you know, how, how it's going to work out for them, so first time i saw Leighton was max playoffs last year you're just blown away just you know get the puck around the net and just go end to end you wouldn't score every time but like quality scoring opportunity within 10 seconds end to end yeah and he you know good skater and and great skater powerful skater yeah very powerful right and um you know with Leighton it's gonna be it's gonna be tough major juniors a, a big adjustment i mean everyone knows that um you know with him all the other guys in that league are, are as big and as strong as him. So he's going to, you know, have to translate his game into that level, right? Mm. He's, I mean, he's 16 years old playing in a in the major junior hockey. I mean, you're playing against 20-year-olds, right? So he's got a long way to go. I actually, I talked to him last week at the uh, when they were here, and I was talking to him. And, and one thing, like, he got um, – he was healthy scratched a couple games already, right? And I asked him about that. And you know what? I got to tell you, like, a lot of kids, especially today – you know, they get very like someone in that situation would get frustrated, make excuses, blame someone else. I was really impressed with him. He was totally optimistic. He said, Listen, I'm a sixteen year old on a really good team. He said I said, Well, how did you you know, how did you handle it? And he told me, he said, I asked coach for feedback. So my coach told me what I have to do to get in the lineup and practice and he goes, I'll do that. Like, you know, happy as could be, right? And and I think if a lot more of us all had a, a similar approach to that, we'd all be better off. But yeah. I'm very impressed with him and that maturity, like talking to him. That was really, really awesome to hear. And, and that's the mentality you have to have playing in that league, you mm-hmm. know, if you want to go to the next level. So, 
I'm gonna be really excited to see how he how he fares out. That's awesome. Yeah. So much talent coming from here. Like Leighton's just their one guy. Just love it. Just it so is. many. You, so, know you know what? It's we actually uh we we did a stat the other day. I mean, uh Bathurst has thirteen Atlantic Canadians on that team. I think St. John was ten. Halifax was eight, I think, if I recall. Cape Breton might have been seven or eight, maybe nine. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um I tell you, it, it, it really is like the hockey now in Atlantic Canada, because I mean you know, years ago, like I remember, you know, I have buddies of mine that are my age where I say, like, how in the hell did this guy not play major junior hockey, right? And back then, I mean, Nova Scotians, forget it, man. Like, it uh. was, you know, to have one guy or two guys drafted off a midget team in Nova Scotia to the queue. Oh, big deal. Back in the late 90s was, was oh, back know, in the 90s. Ni- I was going to say, even yeah, in the early like, 2000s. That was a big like... thing. Man, one of the Bantam teams that we had, there was 12 kids that got drafted off off that team i mean that's can i swear on this am i allowed doing it is he allowed mark yeah i mean it's fine okay is well, he okay yeah i guess just dropping up on my apologize but anyway like that's it's crazy and and um you know i think uh now it, it's almost like you know the secret's out so to speak i don't know if that's the right way to say it but it's it's crazy now how we've just finally been recognized for all the hard work right like that's that's and a great I, way to put it. Yeah, and I think I think as well the infrastructure is a lot better in Atlanta, Canada now. How so? What have you seen from the '90s to now? Like, what's changed in the infrastructure? Well, I think more rinks. Know, I always make the joke that, and I'm not talking about hockey. I'm just talking about everything in general. That Nova Scotia is ten years behind the times, right? Yeah. I mean, we're a very easygoing province, simple way of life, you know. And I think if you look at, and this isn't fair to compare us to big markets like Toronto. That's it's not fair. But if you're looking at major cities like that, I mean, even, you know, you look at Toronto or the, the Montreal's the world, Calgary, Alberta, like stuff like that. I, I just always felt that maybe hockey, when it comes to infrastructure, you know, we didn't really have as much opportunities and programs for kids back then as we do now. We definitely have a lot more of it now, and it shows. I mean, you know, now we got – we got excellent. The coaching around is excellent now. I'm not saying it wasn't back then, but there's just a lot more of it now, right? I think uh, there's a lot more available, like hockey schools and things like that, available now. You know, we have more rinks. You know, I mean, we got really nice facilities, and it's obviously it has to be the reason because it's working. Mm. You know, I mean, we can be critical of it all we want, but at the end of the day, it's working. I mean, look how many Atlantic Canadians are playing major junior hockey. I mean, that's. That's unprecedented, and and I think that that just shows. I mean, the programs are working. Yeah, you know, and the other thing too. I mean, you look at Newfoundland. I mean, years ago they went to the OHL. Hmm. I mean, you think yeah, about that. That's crazy. Go, yeah. When you think about that, it's like why were those guys almost relegated? Yeah. Not relegated is the right word, but dictated to go to the Ontario League. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, like that's when you think about it, it's ridiculous, yeah. right? Or a Western too. Yeah, all the way right. Out. But yeah. now you know. So I, I think it's myself and for somebody who, you know, coach minor hockey around here and stuff. I think it's just fantastic <laughs> myself. And, and you know what? Like we were known in major junior circles. I mean, Nova Scotians or Atlantic Canadians were known. We were hardworking third, fourth line guys. That's what Nova Scotia, but it's, that's not it anymore. There's damn good hockey players coming out of here. And I mean, you know, call we want. I guess you could thank Crosby for that. <laughs> Maybe he's the one that sets the precedent. I don't know. I don't know what the specific answer is, but it's working. I've heard a lot of different answers to that question. I've heard Crosby. I've heard the Mooseheads coming to town. I've heard the coaching staff, just coaches in general. Yeah. I've heard um, 
What other, I've heard a lot of answers. I, I think just the exposure of the talent and knowing where you can go. But I think I think it was who said it. I think Bill Short said when the Mooseheads came to town, it gave those 10, 11, 12 year olds something to work towards. Yeah. Rather than just seeing the Montreal and Toronto Maple Leafs play every Saturday night on TV. It's like, oh, I can do this in my own backyard, play in front of 10,000 people. Okay, what do I have to do to do that? And then once that first Maritimer came, I don't know who it would have been, maybe Jody Shelley. And then apparently the things like that just started to happen. Just seeing local guys. All the, he's he's my second cousin. He's doing this. So how did he do that? How did? And, and then just a big web started. That's what I've heard. But you know, it it is unprecedented. No, it's true, it and I, I think it, it, you're right. It is exposure. It's exposure to you know to a bigger world. I mean, we're a little fish in a very big pond. But yeah. Shorty's right, and, and the Mooseheads definitely had a huge part of that. I think that just goes not just for players, but for coaches too. Definitely. Um, you know, I think the, the hockey opportunities grew. I mean, you look at um, university hockey. I mean, Atlantic University Conference, in my opinion, is the most underrated league in Canada. I mean, or if far, not North America. By far. So, I mean, you're, you see these these coaches that are aspiring to get to those levels. Hmm. A guy like Chris Donnelly. I mean, you know, local guy and coached the Mooseheads forever, and hmm. then – Got up there just as an example. So not only for players, but for coaches as well. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I think Hockey Nova Scotia did a really good job with the high-performance program, the provincial teams, mm -hmm. over the past 20 years. That really came to fruition. You know, that borderline didn't exist for a long time. And, and that really helped, too. Because Nogs, it, right? Nogs was a part of that, <clears> too, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that really helped, too, because it got – when the Atlantic provinces started doing that, it started exposing the players to, like, the national standard of programming. Like playing against Quebec, Ontario. And exactly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it kicks up the dream a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It exposes these kids to something that maybe they wouldn't see before. Mm -hmm. And and that really, really helped. And, and it was – I don't think organic would be the right word to use there, but as it progressed and as time went on, things got better. I mean, you know, players had more opportunity. And then when you look at leagues like the Q, you, you can't turn away from talent. You can't ignore it, right? And there came a point where, like, oh, we can't ignore it anymore. Like, actually, my buddy um, sent me a photo of uh, – it was the Atlantic um, – Dartmouth Subways when they were at Atlantic's and Bathurst. Green Crosby played for them. Oh, yeah. And it was a team photo. And, I mean, Jesus, that roster is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I mean – you know, you look at it, and it's like how – like I look back on it now, and I I think that team had 13 guys from Cole Harbor on it. Huh. Something like – oh, crazy. I mean, but you look back on it, and you're like, how in the hell did all those guys not play major junior hockey, right? I mean, Andrew Gordon was on the team. Yeah. You know, and Crosby was – Jesus, how old was he on that team? Nine? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think Crosby helped that too because it's like you can't turn away from it anymore. Like you got to respect the talent that's that's mm -hmm. around here. And and it worked because I mean, just hey, the, the doesn't lie. The data, the facts are there. I mean, yeah. the, the amount of players moving onward and upward is just every year. It seems like there's not one or two; it's several, if not more. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's awesome. Oh, it's so it's. I'll definitely be taking a trip to Colorado in the next ten years. Yeah, what a story that is too. Eh? Isn't that wild? Did you see? I think Bar Down released it today. It was McKinnon that was calling Sackick all draft, like. Yeah, just draft him. Just draft him. I skated with him. We need him. Just get him. Yeah, I drafted I had, him. I had been told that story too. Actually, that um, <laughs> McKinnon actually here was skating with uh, Baron um, back in the back in the summer and was just like 
blown away like make he made a comment he's like geez you know like this this guy can skate better than half the d in the league right now and yeah i think it's cool you know what great organizations use their assets i mean mckinnon's an asset obviously and i think the best organizations do that they listen they they ask the players like what do you think or you know and it's pretty cool to see that that uh sacker would value his opinion like that and make that selection baron's one hell of a player man we've had tons of guys on the podcast that have done that summer skate and they're just like, oh, watch out. Do you know how fun hockey would be? You could skate like that? Imagine. It'd be unreal. Wow. It'd be a lot of fun. It'd be nice, that's for sure. But yeah, really, and really nice, really nice kid, too. Yeah. Yeah, Great really, guy. really nice kid. Yeah. I uh, I coached against him in Bantam, actually, with Halifax. And uh, it just, you know, some kids you just look at and you just know. Yeah. He was one of them, right? Like, yeah. you just like. He's got it. Yeah. yeah. Like, you want to, you know, it's funny. You look, <clears throat> and Lucas Cormier was another one, too. He, uh, he played Bantam that year for Dieppe in New Brunswick, and I remember just saying to uh, – do you know T.J. Hyten? Uh, do no, I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, he was their assistant coach, and uh, I remember saying to T.J., I'm like, yeah, you want to know what it takes to go to the show these days of D? Like, watch those two guys skate for five <laughs> minutes. Like, it just – yeah, it's it's really cool seeing kids like that, though. But you know what? You wonder, and, and for me, like, coaching Bantam, sometimes you look at these players and you wonder, like, are they good enough, though? What do you mean? You know well, because they're, they're 15, right? They're 14, yeah. like 13, 14, 15. And um, sometimes you wonder, right? Like, because none of us have a crystal ball. We no. don't know what's going to happen next year or five years from now. As much as you think you do, you don't. No. Yeah. And sometimes you look at these kids like, okay, they're, like, really good. But are they that good? Yeah. And I actually remember Kevin Mitchell, who was coaching um, Barron at the time, and Noah Lowen was actually on that team, too. He plays with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really good player, too. And um, – I remember the first time I saw I played like we coached against Baron. I I said to Kevin after I said Jesus man like that kid the skating on him and stuff. I said Kevin like is he that good? And Kevin looked to me he goes No he's better. Oh and I'll never forget that comment. And I mean well here we are today right yeah first round NHL. Oh no, he's better. Not that I'm knocking him if you're <laughs> Justin if you're listening I'm not knocking him. But, um, <laughs> just sometimes you wonder right like, yeah you, you always you look at a player like that and you're like. You try to think you have the crystal ball. You're like, oh no, he's yeah, gonna like, do it. He'll he, do it. He's that, that good. You even look at his attitude a bit. You're like, oh, he's he's a good kid. He's you paying know, attention. Because like, sometimes amongst your peer group, you can be exponentially better. But maybe we've all seen it. Yeah, and but maybe you know, as time goes on, do you carry that forward? So, of course. But I guess that's the fun of it too, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's it like? Me- I've never been to Mexico. What's it like? <laughs> You want to hear that story, do you? Well, I just I just want to talk about warm weather, but if you got a story from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Mexico City, actually. Mexico City, yeah, I didn't we're know. We're not okay. talking resort town here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> How'd you wind uh, up there? Um. Well, it was uh, it was 2014. Um, you want to hear the whole thing from the start? Yeah, man, that's why we do a podcast. Right. We, well, we got time. Yeah, so. Um, I was coaching uh, Adam AAA in Cole Harbor. Do you know Stewie Lenahan? Yeah, he's my uh, he was my line mate in junior for a couple. Yeah, of you months. guys are around the same age. Yeah. Marauders, Halifax yeah, Lions. Yeah, yeah. So we were coaching together, and I'll forget it. Um, I get an email from a buddy of mine, and literally the email says, "Hey, um, if you want to play hockey for Team Canada, read the information below and get back to me ASAP." So I'm living in the dressing room, and I look at Stewie. I'm like, man, get a load of this. I throw my phone, and he's like, what? I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know if this is real or what, but yeah. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. So um, anyway, I got home that night, and uh, 
my uh, my wife, who was six months pregnant at the time, I threw my phone. I said, "Read this," and she reads it, and she was like, "This this makes no bloody sense." I said, "I know it doesn't, but I said I'm going to figure out if it does." And she was like, "What?" She's like, "Are you really going to go?" I said, "If this is real, you're damn right I'm going." So anyway, um, so what had happened was uh, a buddy of ours that we we played with here. He's actually originally from Bedford, Matt Kerr. Um, Kersey was living in Toronto at the time, so he. His really good buddy, Ross McLean, um, he was working with hockey. Ross is actually from Halifax originally. Okay. And Ross is working for Hockey Canada out of Calgary. Okay. So in international, like double IHF, mm -hmm. right, in international competition, there's actually different divisions, right? So okay. Canada's in what's called the championship division. So obviously Canada, Russia, U.S., Sweden, Finland, blah, blah, blah. And okay. there's like a Division 1A, Division 1A, or, or 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B. Like the divisions actually go down. Okay. Because think how many, I don't know how many competing countries there are in the IIHF, like 200 or something. Okay. So there's different divisions. So these tournaments actually happen all over the world every year. It's just we never hear about them because <laughs> we're busy watching the Olympics yeah. or the World Juniors or whatever. So Mexico, believe it or not, is actually a really um, flourishing hockey country. It's hard to believe. Yeah, but okay. I, I mean, believe. obviously, they're never going to be at the level that yeah. that, that Canada's okay. at. But um, their infrastructure and the program is growing. And Hockey Canada was actually working with them for a couple years in, awesome. in helping them develop it. That's awesome. So they wanted to move up in world rankings. So Canada, I don't know what they're ranked in the world right now, but but how you get world rankings is points based on your finishes in tournaments. So, like, if you win a World Juniors, I don't know, it's worth a 1,000 points or whatever the okay. matrix is. So that's how the, the world rankings go. So Mexico, um, they wanted to move up a division. I think it was from two, Division 2A to 1B or uh, something like that. Okay. They wanted to move up. Okay. So they wanted to host an event. So they hosted the Pan American Hockey Championships. What so year is this? 2014. So uh, it was it was a fully legit double IHF sanctioned event, right? First time ever in Mexico. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the competing countries were originally supposed to be Canada, U.S. I mean, it's Pan American, right? Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, and Brazil. Now the Americans, those damn heathens, they backed out pretty shortly before the event. I don't know what happened there. Um, right. Which I could get into that in a little bit, but uh, so yeah, so there was a. So Ross, Kersey's buddy, who works for Hockey Canada. So originally what was going to happen, now obviously Hockey Canada's not going to send out a bunch of, you know, pro guys or 20-year-old junior players to Mexico City. I yeah. mean, keep in mind, Mexico City's got more people in it than Canada. I believe that. The city's bananas. Yeah. It's nuts. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. Never, probably never will again. Um, so what had happened was a senior AAA team from British Columbia was going to go and represent Canada. And uh, they were going to pay. They were going to pay mostly their own way, okay. right? And all this stuff. Like they, I guess they had fundraised for it and all this stuff. They ended up making the Allen Cup, you know, the national yeah, championship. So the they Allen had Cup. to bail out. So at this time, this is when Sochi was going on, the Olympics in Russia. So the story that we were told was um, Hockey Canada. And come to learn, um, world hockey is very political. Is it? Yeah. In what sense? Like at the tournament? Very like. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like anything. You put a bunch of governing bodies together. There's always politics involved. But I learned a lot about Hockey Canada and the way things work. That that ten days I was down there. What did really, you learn? Really? Oh, I can get into it. Okay. Yeah, just tell, keep telling the story. We'll go back. So Bob Nicholson, who was president of Hockey Canada at the time, was over in Russia, and they, they had a conference call about this, you know, event because this senior AAA team couldn't go. So Bob Nicholson said, 
he told the Hockey Canada staff at the office in Calgary, he said, I, I don't give a shit how much money this costs us. We can't pull out of this. We'll look very bad. You know. It's true. Figure it out and send a team down there. So basically Hockey Canada staff were like, as soon as I think they heard that there was no limit on the on the budget, they, they were having fun with it. But they, they basically were like, well, all right. So they, they wanted, obviously, sending a bunch of guys to Mexico City could have bad idea written all over it. So I think they wanted a, they wanted like a little older guys, right, for the, the mature factor, which I don't know if we were the most mature group that went down there, but anyway, that's to be determined. But anyway, so they wanted, you know, they wanted guys that formerly played like junior university or, or major junior, and they, they wanted to have guys from all over Canada. They didn't want to just take a bunch of guys from one city. They wanted to kind of mm-hmm. mix it up a bit. So basically guys that worked for Hockey Canada were tasked with doing this. So it's pretty funny. So Kersey emails, we were playing um, beer league together, right? Yeah in the Lake City League in Dartmouth. So he emailed, I think there was like seven or eight of us on the email list. And if you were to get him here right now, I don't think the guys that went were the ones that he expected to go. Do you know what I mean? So how did they figure it out if they weren't on the email? So, no, no. So he emailed, like, it was literally like, I think it was like seven or eight or nine of us. Here's where it's funny. All the guys thought it was a joke and no one took it seriously. Yeah, okay. Right now, me, I went home that night and Googled the shit out of this thing and I didn't find much, but I found enough. I wrote them back the night and said, I'm in. And all my buddies, I still have the emails. They were like chirping me. And I said to them, like, am I literally the only one taking this seriously? And they were like, yeah, they're like, you're a dummy. Like making fun of me. Right. So lo and behold, it's legit. And, and this was like ASAP thing, because by the time this happened, we were leaving in five weeks to go when this email came out. Like, it was quick. Like what we, were you doing for work at the time? Same job I'm doing now. Okay. Yeah, sweet. so, okay. like, it was it was quick. Like, when, when he sent the email, like, you need to tell me ASAP. Like, he wasn't kidding yeah. because they had to get a group of guys together and go, right? Flights like, paid for? Oh, yeah. So, so three of us, actually, from Cole Harbor, we said yes to go. And then once, like, our buddies that were on the email thread realized, like, this was legit, they all were like, oh, like, we want in, we want in. And Kersey's like, sorry, man. Like, I told you. Like, I needed no ASAP. So my bodies were basically on suicide watch for, oh. like, a couple of weeks. And it was kind of – it's it's pretty funny, like, looking back on it now. But they once they realized, like, this was a jet. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'll never forget. So we uh, – so do you know John Greenwood? Moosehead's coach? Yeah. Yeah, I met him a couple times. So he's a, he's a really good buddy of mine, and he was coaching Midget in Cole Harbor at the time, and a bunch of my buddies came over to my house, and we were going to watch, because I live just not far from the rink. Okay. So we were having a couple beers, and we were going over to watch Johnny coach, right? Yeah. And uh, we, I got the email from Hockey Canada, and it was like the prep package detailing the tournament. And in it was an apparel and equipment order form. So – I'm like my and my buddies that are with me are the guys that all thought this was a joke and didn't take it seriously. So like I'm showing them like the email and they're losing their minds. They're like, this is bullshit, like losing it. And, and I'm they like could laughing. Have been, oh, yes, they wow. could have been. So uh so yeah, so three of us from uh Cole Harbor went and uh we we said that we go and uh yeah, so it was pretty funny, but it was wild, like um I mean you you're you're going to play hockey in Mexico City and you're playing against these countries. So you've no idea what the hell's going to happen or what to expect or what. So I love it. I'm like, I'm rattled because I'm like, well, shit, I got to get in shape and I got like four <laughs> weeks to do it. 
So I was skating with like a Bantam team and a midget team, just trying to get ice time wherever I could. Just because, yeah. again, I don't, you, you've no idea. And I don't want to embarrass myself and, and look like a fool. Right? Yeah, you're representing so, Canada. You know, um, it's like. So yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. Like the roster, we had uh, guys from all over Canada. Um, couple guys from New Brunswick, a few from Quebec, um, a bunch from Ontario, Alberta, I think there's a Saskatchewan guy, BC, like, yeah, really, really cool. So, um, so yeah, lo and behold, and Hockey Canada was, was, in, I mean, they're incredible how they, they're so detailed. It's unbelievable. Like right, they, yeah. and it was really neat. So the guys, so there was some of the guys that played actually worked for Hockey Canada too. So it was pretty cool. And the, the, the coach that we had, uh, Corey McNabb, He's their senior director of player development for Hockey Canada. He's been with them a long time. If you ever see, like, Hockey Canada in the media or anything, mm. or, like, talking about, like, growth of the game or any of that, typically it's him. Okay. So um, it was really interesting to see how they prepare for this event. So, again, we're walking into the unknown. I mean. But that's the exciting factor. It is, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, shit, like, what did I get myself into kind of thing. But, you know, um, so, yeah, it was uh, fully paid for. Everything. I mean, we stayed in a, you know, in a wicked hotel. I mean, flights were totally covered. And we got, yeah, the, the, we got more Team Canada clothing I'd ever know what to do with and, and stuff. And so, yeah, so we go down and uh, it was it was an unbelievable experience. I mean, it's a fairy tale. I don't know how else to say it. It's the most ridiculous story ever. But, like, I remember, you know, you're telling people. I remember I called my boss and told him, I was like, listen, I, I got to take, like, you know, a week and a half off work. And this is what I'm doing. And he laughs. He goes, excuse me? <laughs> Like, he didn't believe me. I'm like, I know, it sounds ridiculous. I'll try and send you photos or something to make sure that you believe me. I'm not lying to you. But, um, yeah, so next thing you know, like, I'll never forget me and uh, Joe Sanford, my buddy from Cole Harbor, we, we were on the flight out of here together, and, like, we're on the plane, like, going, and we're just like, well, what the fuck have we got ourselves <laughs> into? Like, what, what's happening here, right? Like, where are we going? And, and uh, But, yeah, it was it just right from the, right from the start. Um, as soon as we landed, we were treated like gold. Uh, we're taken care of like it was it hockey was Canada first class all the way. They are like they're they're they call it the gold standard like that's what they call their national programs and it, it it is like it's impressive and keep in mind what we saw is not near to the level of what like a world junior team or, or anything like that would see. Yeah. But you know I mean listen man we're a bunch of I mean the average age probably was twenty nine or thirty I mean we're a bunch of ninety five idiots really and and you know all of a sudden we're, we're down there. Like living the dream, yeah. right? But you're wearing that jersey. That's why the standard has to be, you know. Like yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. Doesn't matter so, who's in it. So yeah, that's right. And um, you know, it was kind of interesting um, going down there and interacting with those other countries. Man, I, I tell you, that was a really humbling experience. In what sense? Well, I mean, you got to think. Like you're talking hockey in in Colombia, Argentina, Mexico, and Brazil. I mean, you think of that for a minute. It makes no sense. Are right. they using wooden sticks? Like what kind of like what kind of gear well, do they have? Where do you get skates? Well, this, this is like, it, and this is the thing. And and like I said, it was really humbling. And, and sometimes you forget how fortunate we are, right? And I mean, these guys playing hockey for these countries, like they're playing it with zero connotations of anything. They know that there's no, you know, opportunity to play junior hockey or or to get an education from hockey or to play pro. These guys know this. Yeah. They play it solely because they love it. No other damn reason. And you kind of sit there and you look at it and you're like, maybe these guys are smarter than the rest of us, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they're they, happier. They appreciate the game to a level yeah. that uh, uh, I honestly, I was blown away by it. And, I mean, they have, 
they have zero infrastructure. Like the guy, the president of the Argentinian Ice Hockey Federation, super guy, really nice guy. He he literally spent his family's life savings and built Argentina's first ever ice hockey rink. He lives upstairs in it. Like he's telling me this and I'm just looking at him like, what? Like I just like, are you kidding me? And this guy, and again, he's doing this for no other reason at all, other than the fact that he loved hockey and he wanted to bring it to that country. And, and that was the only way he could do it. And I'm pretty sure to this day, I, I think he still is um, president of that, that the Argentinian ice hockey federation and, and like guys from Brazil, um, roller hockey players. Yeah. So, you know, they obviously weren't very good. Right. And, and you know what, that's fine. Like the, the level of hockey was not, I mean, Columbia, actually Columbia was, was, wasn't bad. They act the best player. I would argue the best player in the tournament. And we had some really good players. We had a couple guys draft the NHL. Uh, Mark Rancourt played for us. He was, um, he's captain Smew. Okay. He was CIS player of the year. He won wow. a national championship with them. What year? 2000, uh, the year. Yeah. Dan was, was there. Yeah. yeah. What was that? 2010. Yep. 10 or 12. Yeah. Was it 10? Yeah. 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would argue that the best player in the tournament was a Colombian. Eh? Yeah. Honestly, no way. Yeah. This guy was, and we're watching him and we were all like, holy shit. Like this guy needs to get North America now. Wow. Like just pure natural raw talent. I think he played in the East coast for a bit. Someone took a flyer on him. I think I, I could be wrong anyway. Um, but Mexico. So like their, their men's team, um, these guys were like, you know, in school had jobs they have very limited funding, so they get their funding from the Olympic Committee, believe it or not, the, the country's Olympic Committee. So like skates and... Yeah, yeah. So they actually fundraise a lot of their own money. These guys practice five days a week. And, like, listen, when you're around the age of 30 and if you're on the ice five days a week and in shape, you're a good hockey player. That's yep. the damn truth, okay. right? They practice from 11 o'clock at night to 1230 in the morning five days a week. Sorry, 11 o'clock at night till 1230 in the morning five days a week. Wow. Yeah, so an hour and a half practice every night at 11 o'clock at night. And, again, these guys are doing it because they love it. And I'm sitting here, like, looking at it going, like, Jesus, like, this is unbelievable, right? And, um, you know, for us, I mean, it was kind of funny because they had no idea who we were. Like, they thought we were, like. NHLers. Yeah. Yeah. Little did they know, but <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But like to them, it was just, it was, you know what? It, I compare it to this and this sounds ridiculous and I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but if, if you, if an English soccer team came here right now today, it wouldn't matter who the hell they were, or where they came from. Holy shit. It's a soccer team from England. Yeah. Right. Like that's, yeah. and that's what we were to them. Yeah. And um, so it was really cool. Like we had, we did one practice. We had the Argentinian team practice with us. Yeah. Like these guys were just blown away. And I mean, yeah. Like you talk, you mentioned earlier about the gear. Like they, they're buying everything online, getting it shipped in, costing a damn fortune. Yeah. I mean, we're, we show up. You know, we got everything. You know what I mean? Times like two, you got more than. A yeah, and yeah. and they're just like, oh my god. And and actually, my skate broke down there. Um. And <laughs> so. We could only the hockey can only bring so much, yeah. so they brought a skate sharpener, but they didn't have like a riveter or anything. Oh. So I had to go on this wild goose chase to to get my skate fixed in Mexico City, <laughs> which was one of the most entertaining things I've ever done. So we had a team host, 
Uh, his name was Diego, and so Diego. local kid. Yeah, yeah, he was a university student, so he was like our lifeline to do anything. Yeah, and I'm like, man, like you got to help me here. What am I gonna do? Yeah. And there was literally, he told me, Mexico City, city of 30, 35 million people, I think. They had one place, that whole city, that had anything to do with ice skating, and it was a store that sold very little hockey of anything and figure skating stuff. Yeah. So we get in this cab, and we got in forever. I don't even know where I was. Man, honestly, if I fell out of that cab, I'd probably be dead. I would have, I would not be here today. Like, I didn't know where we were, and it was, like, forever. And I had to go, like, it was ridiculous, right? I'm just like, How long was the like, cab ride? Oh, it's like, forever. <laughs> forever. Yeah, it was, like, the other side of the city or something, and uh, just to get rivets put back in the skate, and they ended up breaking again, too. And, and Anyway, but it was just kind of funny, but... Um, yeah, it was, it was incredible though. Like just dealing with those countries, realizing like, wow, you know, here we are. I mean, yes, we love hockey and we play it cause we love it. But like these guys just literally do it cause they love it. And just the questions too, that they had, right. Give me a question they had. Well, they, they just would ask like, you know, like the, just the simplest things, like tell us about the rinks that you guys like grew up playing in or really, That's or, cool. you know, like where are you guys from? And, and so us from Coal Harbor was kind of, was kind of cool. Like drop Sid's name. Yeah. Well, yeah, was, we would, yeah, yeah. we would tell them that. Right. And of course who wouldn't, and they were just like, Oh my God. And yeah. I remember one of the guys on um, Brazil, I actually had a hockey Nova Scotia t-shirt and I gave it to him. And I like the guy was almost, he almost had tears in his eyes. I mean, he thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And it's just like, you sit here and, you know, as an adult, you're kind of like, wow, like, you know, Maybe sometimes we take life a little too granted, you know, a little for granted sometimes. And, and um, yeah, just the, the questions they would ask about, um, you know, what's it like? You guys play every day. You must go to the rink every day. And we're like, yeah. well, yeah, but it's not like that. Like, you got to pay money to go to the rink. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. But it just um, – and, you know, they'd see the gear and stuff. And, and not that we had – like, we had all the Team Canada shit, which is pretty cool. They right. don't let you keep that, by the way. Well, you got the jersey. Oh, yeah. I got the red one, too. Did you steal it? No, no, that's, they let us pick our own number and everything. Oh, I thought you said they didn't give them to you. But the gear, they, the gear. Oh, the, the gear, the they give the you the pants and stuff. Yeah, they actually, they, they use it different events. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so like the under-18 team will use the same gear as like the World Junior team. No stuff. way. Yeah, yeah. Good to know. I didn't know that. Me neither. It's so Bro, shiny. Like, it looks clean. I'm going to look like... awesome in beer league yeah. with Team Canada <laughs> shit on. But no, no, they took the, the gear back, right? So, but, hey, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was, it was incredible uh, just to to meet those guys and, and to see what they go through and, and why they play the game. Yeah. You know, really cool. And, and, and the culture too is so different. So I remember we, um, it was, we, me and a couple of guys stayed back at the rink. I don't remember why it doesn't matter. And, um, so we, we were busing back to our hotel. So we jumped on the bus with the Colombian team <laughs> and we were, so we just kind of moved to the back and everywhere we went, we had to wear, team clothing right okay. that was a real hockey canada's really 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 ain't on that shit we couldn't wear anything with a brand name on it, it had to be nike yeah they're like we're flying them down they they're told gonna wear us, they stuff. told us they're like if you have a pair of flip-flops or reebok on them get a sharpie and block it out we were like are you kidding me <laughs> they're like oh yeah they're like no we have to oh i'm telling you man they're they're next level i like, believe it yeah they're like really and they held us to the same standard we're kind of like jesus this is a little much but oh yeah they were so anyway not that I was complaining. I was living the journey yeah. of Christ. They told me to jump out in front of a moving bus. I would have done it. But So we uh, we go on the bus, and we're sitting in the back, the, the two or three of us, and these guys fire up, like, this this Bluetooth speaker and, like, crazy Colombian dance music. Man, they're all up, like, singing and dancing on the bus, and we're just like, 
oh my god is there a camera on us right now or something like we didn't know what to do. like just the culture differences right do you know what i mean i know like, what you mean just so different um, like no but not a bunch of canadians would do that on a bus everyone would just sit down and have a couple yeah beers. like yeah. these guys it's not like they were drinking or anything yeah. it's just that's just their culture right yeah. like the brazilians who play them and like the rink did a really good job with uh like the music and stuff and they did would they? try to play like local like in between whistles like cultural music like do you know what i mean i know what you mean like with, switch it up yeah yeah like with it's like mighty ducks when they play jamaica yeah, like, like, you know played we, the drums yeah yeah we we'd play they play like eminem and shit but anyway like, <laughs> they play, yeah. yeah but so like the brazilian guys just start dancing like on the bench like, that's like on, mighty on, ducks that's exactly yeah, like mighty play, ducks. we were like loving it we were like this is the best ever right like we just got the biggest kick out of it and uh it was it was so neat and we were we so we get down there and we're totally again like hockey canada did an incredible job preparing us as best they could we had numerous conference calls leading up to it what would the conference calls be about professionalism oh, holy shit man they went over everything i remember um like like literally they went over everything from weather expectations um currency they were like you know um, you get a per diem a day no, like a no, 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 no. And actually, speaking of that, the IIHF has a rule regarding amateur and professionals, believe it or not. What's the something, rule? So I, I can't remember. Something weird with that. No, Hockey Canada doesn't pay. Like, they don't, they don't do that. No, no, no. no. We didn't get stipends or anything like that. But uh, we were well taken care of, you know. Like, yeah. we You're not going to go down there struggling for we, food. We went to the bar a couple times, and <laughs> for the first time we went – there was a bar attached to our hotel. We stayed this real. It was a really nice hotel. All the teams stayed in it. Yeah. And this bar, the hotel had like a club attached to it. And uh, first night we were in there, um, so one of the guys from our camp were like, "Hey guys, we'll just run it under one bill." And we're like, "Okay, like we'll just all you know throw in on it at the end, right?" Yeah. So anyway, the bill came, and he uh, he's like, "No, no, I got it." And he pulls out his hockey can at a corporate card. The bill was like over three grand. I'm like, "Shit, man, I, you can expense that." Like, how does that work? Like, how do you explain that in your expense report? He looked at me and he goes, you kidding me? He goes, if you knew any idea what we just spent over in Sochi, he goes, this is nothing. And I was just like, oh, my God. And it was interesting to learn how, like, Hockey Canada, I mean, they got more money than God. I mean, these guys are, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, they do. They really, they, they, they take care of everything. And it was really cool. And actually, when he, this is really funny. So when he paid the bill, um, I mean, everything's in pesos too, right? So you're trying to convert in your head yeah. all the time. Yeah. So anyway, we, whatever, we, he pays the bill and we go back out to our rooms. Well, I hear this like commotion in the hallway and I open the door because we had like our own floor. Every team was on their own floor, like a wing basically. So we had like our own. So I hear this commotion and I'm like, what the hell? So I open the door and like the manager from the bar is up on the hallway and he's with these two guys. One of them, I think was like a security guard or something. And these are like big guys. And he was like screaming and yelling. So, again, the language barrier is a little tough, right? Yeah. And uh, it turns out, so so when um, when our coach paid for the bill, he forgot a zero. Oh. So he short, you know, on the machine. I know what you mean. Because he had to type in the total, which is totally weird. 
I don't know, man. I know. Shit works different down there. But <laughs> when he typed in the total, he forgot a zero. So he basically shorted them $300, yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> so they didn't catch on to it until they must have reviewed the receipts later. So they came out, were screaming and yelling and oh, accusing him, ripping God. them off. He was like, no, no, no. So anyway, he had to, he, and it was hilarious because he was basically in his pajamas. He had to go back down. And he's too big guy. Like he went back down to the bar. Oh, yeah, play. Mexico oh, City. It was, oh, yeah. It was hilarious, right? But uh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. So we actually, the Canadian Embassy, they have an embassy down there. So they hosted us. We, were, we went this, oh. the second day we got there. And uh, they told us like the do's and don'ts of everything. They gave us the real rundown of the city. Yeah. yeah. They were like, you know, you guys can't go anywhere by yourselves. Like you always have to be in a group. Yeah. Um, wallets in the front pocket. Oh yeah, well they yeah they talked to us about that. So I guess the common thing down there is what they do is they'll kidnap you, and what they do is they'll kidnap you um, for about thirty six or forty eight hours, and then they let you loose because you know like you have a daily limit on your cards. You can only spend so much oh, on yeah. your card every twenty four hours. Yeah. So they'll max it twice, and then set you free. So it's a huge it's a huge thing down there. Yeah yeah. So they were like warned us of that and. And uh, so it's pretty, pretty kind of funny to, to hear all that stuff because you're kind of like Jesus, you know. Should play some right hockey, now? yeah. But yeah, no, it was, it was, it was wild, man. From start to finish, it was, uh, <laughs> it was quite an experience. I could write a book on it, really. Should. Yeah. That's crazy. I was just thinking you were saying like these guys really love the game, and I'm just thinking to myself, what do I really love about the game? And I love the room after with the boys having a beer. It's like I love the game. I love getting out there, getting a sweat, but. I love yeah, just seeing the boys. It's true, like, I guess the culture of hockey, like, we had a bunch of guys thrown together, you know, it was 23, 20, I don't know, 25 people, I guess, and from all over parts of Canada, you know, different backgrounds, different places, mm -hmm. we're all at different stages of our lives, whatever, thrown yeah. together, and it's like you've known each other for 10 years, right? But that's the sport. Yeah. And that's why it's awesome, and we had such a good group of guys down there. You had to mix everything, right? Yeah. You know, you had the quirky ones, you had the funny ones, the serious ones. The, you know what I mean? Like, it was just awesome. Like, a really, really good, solid group of guys, man. And it was a ton of fun. And A bunch really of Canadians cool. playing hockey. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, what, yeah. what do you want? So, so, yeah, it was neat. And obviously we won. <laughs> see the ring? Yeah. Show the yeah. camera. Yeah. I don't know if you can. Is it you zoomed see up? that up there? Yeah. Is yeah, it's camera pretty cool. Too? Yeah. It's, it's a great radio. conversation piece, I'll tell you. But uh, you just flash it at the bar. You're just like, yeah, hey, you know can what? I get Actually, a beer? This is the first time I've worn a while, Justin. I haven't worn this in a long time. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty neat. I think it would it'd be a cool story to tell my kids someday. <laughs> Sick. Yeah, but uh, no, it was it was unreal, man. It was really cool. Um, it was a great experience. We uh, the rink was actually not even done yet. It wasn't completed. It was a brand new rink. It was mm -hmm. on a university campus, and it wasn't completed yet. So we're like. And when I say it wasn't completed, I mean, like, the ice just got put in. So, obviously, heat's an issue down there. Yeah. So, they have this, the, the air conditioning system in it. The problem is the humidity. So, like, the windows were just sweat. Like, it was crazy. <sighs> and they actually, the ice was tinged blue. They had, um, they have to use a different kind of glycol in the pipes to keep it cool because of the, the so damn hum humid. And the ice was really thin. So, we practiced, when we got down there, we practiced, um, we actually cut through to the, the concrete. Oh, no. Yeah. I think, you know, guys were taking tight turns a little too hard, right? And cut through so that the guy, the Samboni driver didn't know how to fix anything. So some of the guys were that on our team, like, were out, like, helping fix the ice. It was <laughs> it was crazy. And we are just like, this is, like, what's going on here, right? That's like, insane. Yeah. And so the rink actually, and it was, it probably sat about, um, I don't know, probably 2,500 people maybe. So when we first got down there. Um, 
we didn't know what to expect. And like I said, Hockey Canada did a really good job preparing us best they could. Yeah. But again, you don't know. You don't know what these teams are going to be like. You, you have no idea. Like, you, you really don't. So the first day we practice, I don't know, there's like one person in the rink. Well, the next day we practice, Jesus, there's honestly, man, like a hundred or so people in there we're watching us practice. And we were like, what's going on here? And I shit you not, we're, we, we finished practice and we go in the room and CNN Mexico was there and they wanted to like interview, like, so Corey McNabb, I mentioned. So mm -hmm. he was like our, our guy, you know, he was a coach, but he was the guy. So CNN Mexico is interviewing him and we're just like, this is bananas. And and um, everywhere we went was like uh, like people would would know because we always were wearing yeah. the Canada stuff. So people were like, honestly, man, it was if there was ever time in your life to live the dream, like this That's was it. it. And I got to be honest, like we took it and ran with it. Like it was, of oh, course, yeah. yeah. Like I don't know if anyone that knows me would ever call me a poser, but let me tell you what, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I ran yeah. with it for ten days, and it was it was bananas. Like it was not. So every time we would play, it'd be packed. Uh, there's kids down there, and Jesus, man, you're signing stuff, and you're just thinking, like, holy shit, if these people knew <laughs> what I did, for what <laughs> I do for a living, where I live, and like, what, like, you know what I mean? Go with it. And and meanwhile, my buddies are like at home, like, you know, texting me and stuff because they're seeing, they're following it, like, because, and they're just like, man, like, just send us photos, and they're all just making fun of me and stuff, and it was just unbelievable, man. It was wild. That's so sick. Yeah, that's it was unreal. Crazy. It was Ten crazy. days of paradise, just doing whatever you want. Yeah, we we have actually. This is one of my favorite stories about it. We um, so after the embassy, we went out and we went for lunch, and we we're in this place. It was a nice spot. We we're having uh, beers and lunch or whatever, and we we're all there. And this guy comes up. He goes, "Oh my god!" He's freaking out. He goes, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" Like you guys, you guys are Team Canada. Like you guys are the ones that are here. And I'll never forget him. His name was Marco. He was an older guy. Yeah. He was in the jewelry business. And the reason I know this is because he said, he goes, listen, he goes, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. My office is a couple blocks away. Don't go any, don't go, don't go anywhere. And we're like, all right, man, like, fuck, we're not going to go anywhere. I have a cold beer. He comes back and he has a photo in his hand, framed photo, and he took it from his office. And it's a photo of him several years before in a beer league, his team beer league picture in Mexico City. <laughs> they have a beer league there and he played in it. This guy was so damn proud to tell us. This is a grown man. Like he was like late fifties probably. Wow. This guy was so proud to tell us yeah. that he played ice hockey. Honestly, we were just like, this is incredible. So like we kind of realized at that point, we're like, all right, like, you know what? Like we gotta these people think this is really cool. Like we got to really be good to them, right? You probably did them a service by going along with it. If you just said, no, I'm not signing that. Like, I'm not yeah. who you think I am. You did them a service by going, yeah, okay, let's do it. That's awesome. I'll sign that for you. It we'll was have an incredible. Interview. Let's like, do this it, you know? a grown man. Like, yeah. you know, probably as a family, whatever. And this guy was just elated telling us that he played ice hockey. First of all, we were like, holy shit, there's a beer league here? Like, we were like, really? Yeah. So when we won and, like, we're on the ice celebrating and the rink was full, <laughs> and we hear this guy, and he's screaming, like, abnormally loud. And we look up, and there's a guy, I'll never forget it, in a Doug Gilmore Leafs jersey. And it was Marco, that guy. And one of our guys went over to the security guard, and they were like, get that guy and bring him down here. And they brought him down. The Oh, shit, man, we were lifting him up. Over the it was unbelievable. Like, the coolest thing. And that That's guy awesome. Were, yeah, and again, little You made that guy's life. Yeah, That's it, was, it was wild. Like, and it was just so cool to experience such a different culture and stuff. And and in regards to hockey, like I was really humbled by it all, right? And appreciative too. And 
you know, for me, I think not to sound too preachy or sentimental, but you know, I, when I talked earlier about how hockey ended for me, I, for me, it was almost like a, almost like a closure in a, in a sense. It's like, okay, like, you know what? I got to do something pretty cool. Yeah. I'm good with it now. Do you know what I mean? That's really cool. Cause I always felt like, you know, you miss out, you know, I missed out on a lot. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, like I played a lot of like beer league hockey and stuff in my twenties and had a good time on road trips with that and whatever, a lot of fun with the guys, but you, uh, you know, I, I, I really felt that I had that sense of closure with this. Like, you know what? I yeah. get to do something that, Hey man, like no one really ever got to do. It's crazy and ridiculous, but you know what? Like I'm happy now. Like it's good. You know what I mean? So for me, like I, I, I really was grateful for it. I really was appreciative of it. Yeah. I think some guys that were there might not have been as much, yeah. and that's that's fine. That's their prerogative. That's on them. But for me, like I was really just grateful of it all. Like so thankful that that we got to do that, and and uh, it was just it was oh man, the whole thing was ridiculous, but but really really awesome. That's sick, man. You painted a great picture there. That's awesome. The Dougie yeah. Gilmore guy coming down too. Marco, his name was. Yeah, Marco, Marco. comes down. Did you bring yeah. him in the room after? Oh my god! Yeah, it was crazy, man. We, uh, yeah, it was. You know what? So we actually flew out like early that morning. Um, yeah, so we, uh, we, you know, celebrated with a few pops or whatever, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh my god, we we actually, man, I got to tell you the story. We, <laughs> so the food. The food down there is Mexico City. I mean, it's known for really good food and stuff. So we we would always eat the hotel, right? Mm. Like the hotel had a big spread for us. Like, but we said we're like we want to go out like for a nice nice dinner when we're down here, right? Kay. So we um obviously we don't know where the hell to go or whatever. So we had a like up on our floor we had our own common room. We'd hang out and yeah. you know have beers in and tell lies and whatever. <laughs> tell lies. So we're up there and the hotel manager comes up one night he says hey there's this woman downstairs who wants to come up and speak to you guys and he, he gives us her business card so the boys start like googling her or whatever yeah. man her in she's a pr rep she has her own pr firm and her instagram is loaded with her pictures of her like arm in arm with like bieber eminem like crazy celebrities we were like what the hell so we're like yeah like you know get her to come up so she came up and she was doing pr for the snook so there's a this area i guess in mexico city we're all like really nice bars and restaurants it's like a whole district okay so she was doing pr for this new cabaret club called monkeys what's a cabaret again it's like a dance group and like a nightclub almost cabaret yeah yeah they they get like i thought it was like a bunch of dudes singing and yeah they have like or lots of barbershop quartet uh, yeah but they have like the cabaret club is I think the old school definition of it is is basically they have like entertainment there okay like uh Someone dancing and singing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so anyway, we were like, "Oh, this is perfect." Because, like I said, we wanted to go out. So we we talked to our team host about it because he kind of like would, you know, hey man, like is this legit kind of thing? And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, good." So we we make plans to go out Friday night. So, you know, if there's ever a night in your life to act like celebrity, like this was it, right? And we we ran with that. So we go, and uh, we we go in this place was awesome. There's like. Dudes rolling around in unicycles. They had a stage, and there's like these women dancing and singing. And <laughs> guys are rolling around in unicycles, like serving drink. Like this place, it was beautiful, right? So we sit down. The owner of the place comes over, and he's like, "He goes, guys, I'm just so thrilled to have like Team Canada here." And we're all just like rolling our eyes, going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So anyway, um, we <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. 
So you're like, I just got an email last week. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my buddy, I played beer league with, fired me off an email two weeks ago, man. And yeah, here I am. Yeah, that's no, So we, um, so we, we're sitting there, and and uh, oh man, the food was oh my god! Like we had the chef coming out, cutting fresh racks of lamb, like right at the table, and we're just ordering everything, and he um came over and he, he he the owner bought us these really nice bottles of wine right now i don't i don't drink wine i'm not classy enough for that so he came over to me and he said oh he said he goes you not like the wine and i said no 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 i said no, like i i just i just don't enjoy wine it's just not me I said sure it's great like he didn't want to offend the guy he's buying us hmm. these are like 400 bottles of wine he's giving us I said oh he goes oh well, what do you like i said well I said, I'm a kind of a whiskey guy, right? So he comes over with a bottle of Johnny Walker. He goes, here. I'm like, holy shit. A bottle. Shit. So anyway, we, uh, oh, it was incredible. So as the night went on, basically, we're, we're just making a show of it. I mean, Jesus, we were, we at one point, like, Red Bull and Vodka's going. And oh, my God, man. Like, we, the bill. So I wish I, I had the picture of my phone. The bill was insane. Like 10? Oh, more. 20? It was, it was, yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> so, but you know what? It was like, this trip was paid for. Yeah. Like everything was covered, and yeah. it's like you know what, it was like you're ever gonna live the dream for one night, yeah. like this is it, right? And we had such a good time, and it was crazy. So I actually have old photos, like my my buddy Joe signing autographs for people, and like just hilarious, right? Like we're just, you know what I mean? Trip I feel bad, like you're lying to these people, but it's like, hey, they ask. Yeah, what are you you're, do? you're making them more happy than they're making. Yeah, you yeah. So like, just it was awesome, man. It was just it was, and that was close to the end of it too. So that's awesome. Oh man, it was it was unreal. Yeah, it's such a great time. <laughs> we got we got to wrap this up. We're going. To, I gotta we gotta go. Mic someone up. Um, fuck, I feel like you got more stories. Yeah, you got you got like one more for us. You think? How long? What? Now we're running a little overtime here. Yeah, but if we leave at four thirty, we're fine. Because traffic's if we if we leave an hour before, we'll be good. All right. Is we can just post edit. We'll wait. We'll be good. Whatever you want to do. We'll be good. Um, do you got like one more for us? So should I? Is there a certain question I should be asking? I should, I did want to talk about how you got into color commentary, but we can save that for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you want me to bring something up, I can like that. Like, it's up to you. <laughs> yeah. No, no. We yeah, we can get out another time. No. Uh, I hate to cut you off. No, like, no. So, all good. All good. Yeah. I mean, geez, how long have we been going for? Hour fifteen. I told you. I talk a lot. I warned you. I don't mind. I warned you. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't talk at all. I just sat here and listened. That's what I do. Yeah, I listen. Yeah. No, we can get into the. We can get all the minor hockey stuff and stuff another time. But, jeez, uh, another story, another Mexico story. Oh my. Oh my. Oh. <laughs> we, we left. I got hustled at the airport. <laughs> so when we leave. We left. Um, Get a, God, the Mexico City airport's ridiculous, man. It's huge. It makes Toronto look like a joke. Like, it's just a massive, massive nothing. Okay. So all of us departed there at different times. Right? You get guys flying to here, flying to Toronto, Calgary. Right. So we all our flights were different. So when we got there, you know, because we had, we had like a, a suitcase and then your gear bag and your sticks, yeah. right? Anyway, they tried to hustle me for $250 American. Well, us. There was three, three of us flying back. We're actually flying to Toronto. Yeah. And they try to hustle each of us two hundred fifty dollars American for what? They wouldn't let it for luggage fees. What? Yeah. So we start arguing, and you really shouldn't be arguing in that airport. 
Oh yeah, it, it, it was getting dicey pretty quick. There's we, guns around. Oh yeah, we had security. Oh yeah, like they're yeah, yeah. they're crazy down there. Man. Yeah, we had like we had guys coming up like cops, and they were like, "What's the problem?" And language barrier. And we're like, yeah. "Man, this is bullshit. This guy's trying to charge us two hundred fifty dollars for luggage fees." And the guy was like, "And it, cash had to be cash. It was ridiculous." So my one buddy was like, "All right, screw it." And he gave him his visa. Guys, like no cash. Oh we're like, God. we're like, what? Oh, so we're like scared. I'm like, all right, we're not going home with our shit because, <laughs> like, I'm not paying two fifty American, yeah, for luggage fees, right? Oh yeah. So finally, we were getting worked up. We're yelling. They're yelling in two different languages, which is going nowhere. Yeah. And then eventually, we got scared. <laughs> so we we shoved like our suitcases in like our gear bag and stuff. Yeah. Like trying to yeah. to limit the cost. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's one bag. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous, man, getting hustled, but it was uh everything down there was a learning experience cuz I tell you, like they don't like American dollars down there. Why not? Don't like it. Hate it. It's worth more? I know. Don't like it. We're yeah, we're it's really weird. So why would that? It, like Mexico it's not like a resort town, right? It's a lot no, different. It's very local. Oh yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's all so, by the water. So yeah, we were the final thing of the trip, and we were all still pretty much, you know, half in the bag. Or yeah, still yeah, in the bag. pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they ended off. We almost got hustled for two fifty American, but we got our way. I think yeah, you made only, it back. You're I here think to it only, I think it only ended up costing me a hundred. So, <laughs> yeah. Unreal, Logan. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Man. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. We'll get you back. We'll get some more stories out. Yeah, here. let's do it again. I enjoyed right, it for sure. All right, uh, everyone listening. Thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, I don't know what day of the week it is. It's uh, it's Wednesday. Halfway there. Hump day. Have fun. Stay safe. Keep working hard. We are out. Peace.